have your Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 3, New Testament book of Mark, chapter 3, we will be in verses 1 to 6. If you're a guest with us, we are in a series watching Jesus on the move. We work verse by verse through the book of Mark and look at him as our king and think about what it means to follow Jesus as our king. And this morning, we're coming to a culmination passage. All of chapter 2 led up to this. And so if you weren't here for chapter 2, you're missing some puzzle pieces. But Jesus has been confronting the Pharisees on what they think brings them to God and their religion. They've fought about their fasting. They've fought about the Sabbath. And they'll bring up the Sabbath again today. But really at heart is not so much the Sabbath, but at the heart of Jesus' fight with the Pharisees. And so this morning, what I would like to show you from God's word is where the hard road of religion will take you. Where the hard road of religion will take you. With all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. This is the word of the Lord. Again. He entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, the Pharisees, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. When I first moved to Louisville for seminary and invited people to come visit, it was hard to give directions because as you got off the interstate to get to our apartment, there was a big sign that said, seminary, go left, when in fact, you needed to turn right. And over and over again, as people would come to visit us, Even as I would drive back to my apartment, we would turn the wrong direction because the sign seemed to be pointing the wrong direction. And what Jesus has shown these Pharisees and he's showing us is that religion works the same way. Brothers and sisters, instead of bringing you to God, the road of religion takes you the opposite direction. The sign lies. Religion promises you that it will make you right with the Lord, that it will bring you to heaven. It takes you to the opposite direction. It takes you the wrong way. Now with this final confrontation in this section, I want to show you five things that religion will make you. 
You may think that religion will make you a good person, that it will make you someone worthy of respect. But according to the word, this is what religion will actually do to your life. I'm not going to refer and read back this passage over and over again because we have somewhere to get. And so I would like to encourage you to keep your Bible open. As I reference verses, you can check it, make sure what I'm saying is in there. But religion does a surprising thing. The first thing religion will make you is cynical. Religion will make you cynical. To be cynical means you trust nobody. You doubt everything that you hear. You assume the worst. When Jesus steps into the synagogue, the Pharisees don't keep their eyes on him because they're genuinely interested in what he's going to bring today. They're not genuinely interested in the word he's going to teach. They watch him, Mark says, so that they might accuse him. The Pharisees are looking for a reason to doubt. They're looking for a reason to be cynical. Rodney Cooper writes, you'll notice they did not want to know if he could heal the man. They wanted to know if he would. See, the Pharisees, if you look back at at Mark chapter 2 where this confrontation begins, when Jesus heals the paralytic, they've seen it. They've seen Jesus say to a man, rise, get up, and it happened. They've, they've been in the room when his power was there. They've seen it before their eyes. But whether it's fasting or getting grain on the Sabbath, Jesus doesn't follow their most basic rules. This guy's rejected their system. And so whatever the case may be, they can't trust somebody like that. They have to assume the worst of this guy who who can't even keep the Sabbath. Religion has made them cynical. Friends, religion will make you stubborn. This is the only healing in the book of Mark that Jesus starts. It's the only one that he initiates, that he, he pushes forward. He knows what's about to happen, and he presses the issue. Jesus throws the first punch. He brings the fight. In verse 4, he looks at them and he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save life or to kill? And what do the Pharisees do here? Nothing. They refuse to answer. Jesus brings Moses to the table. He tries to reason with them from the law, and they refuse to move. They won't even participate in the conversation. Nothing Jesus says will change their mind. And friends, that is what made Jesus angry. That is what provokes the anger of God. Verse 5, Jesus is grieved at their hardness of heart. A hard heart in Scripture is one who is so set in his ways, so stubborn that he cannot see the truth. Their religion has not made them like David, a man after God's own heart. Their religion has made them like Pharaoh. So stubborn, they will not budge. Religion will make you cynical. Religion will make you stubborn. Religion will make you uncaring. Let's not forget, there's another person in this story. 
We haven't even mentioned him yet. It's the man with the withered hand, caught in the middle of this fight, standing in front of everybody. The whole room is watching him. Jesus has the ability to make him whole, but the Jewish tradition, not Scripture, Jewish religion, their writing says that you cannot heal someone on the Sabbath unless it's a matter of life and death. And this guy's not about to die because he has a withered hand. And so the Pharisees are thinking, it's still the Sabbath, and sorry, rules are rules. You're just going to have to come back tomorrow, brother. And Jesus challenges them again on the Sabbath, and he says, you're asking the wrong question. Remember the question they asked about the Sabbath from last week? It's, what is work? And Jesus says, you got the wrong paradigm. The question you ask on the Sabbath is, what is good? What is right? Hosea 6, verse 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Amos chapter 5, verse 14. Seek good and not evil that you may live. We heard from Moses. I've set before you life and death. Choose life. Had these brothers just listened to their own prophets, the Pharisees would celebrate this healing. Instead, they're waiting for it to happen so they can fight. Their religion has made them uncaring. Religion, brothers and sisters, will make you desperate. In verse 6, they pair up with the Herodians. These guys serve the wicked king, Herod. They accommodate the worldly culture. They welcome the political influence that Caesar can bring. They'll ditch the way of God if it means they'll have power over man. They represent everything the Pharisees hate. But... The Pharisees, brothers and sisters, are so worried about Jesus, they team up with the enemy. Right now, people come to them for answers. Right now, people respect their traditions. Right now, they're the role models in Jerusalem. But if this keeps up, they're going to lose everything. They're going to lose their country. They're going to lose their position. They're going to lose their power and esteem. And so if it means they need to get desperate, so be it. Religion, brothers and sisters, takes you the opposite direction. And instead of making you a good person, what this passage shows us is that religion will make you evil. Did you hear that? Religion will make you wicked and evil. Verse 6, what happens? But let's take it all the way back to where this fight started. In Mark chapter 2, the first passage with the paralytic, Jesus knew that the Pharisees were questioning him in their hearts. But it didn't stay that way. What started as silent doubts, became a strategy for murder. What started out as concern for God's name became a plot to kill God's son. That's where the road has led them. 
at the end of Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, they're pairing up with wicked men planning to kill the Messiah. As the philosopher Pascal once said, men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. And unless you think I'm just exaggerating here and making a whole lot out of a little passage in Mark, let's remember that this is not the last time we see where religion goes. Because when Jesus is arrested and the Jewish people take them to Pilate's house, John chapter 18 verse 28 says that they, the Jewish people themselves, did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. And when Pilate tells them to judge Jesus themselves, they say in verse 31, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And when Pilate gives them another chance to release Jesus, they're so stubborn, they're so desperate, that they cry out with the crowd, no, not this man, release Barabbas, free the robber. Crucify him. And when Pilate asked, well, should I crucify your king? They say, we have no king but Caesar. And as Jesus suffocates and dies on the cross, the Jews ask Pilate that his legs might be broken and taken away so that the body would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. To his death, they followed the law. To his crucifixion, they followed their system. Friends, listen. Religion put Jesus on the cross. Religion did not bring anyone to God. Religion brought people to kill him. Galatians 3 verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Friends. There is no system of rules or philosophy or good works that will bring you to God. If Judaism didn't work, no ism will. God sent his son to do what we could not. Listen, this is what Mark is trying to show us. Jesus did not just die for all the ways you ran away from God. Jesus died for all the ways you tried to run to him. Galatians 2, verse 21, if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If your religion could work, the cross is pointless. If you're on the road to religion, if that's the life you live, if you're just trying to be a good person, trying to put God first in your life, then you need to just look where you're going. And you need to stop before it's too late. You have a chance. The exit sign's here. Get off the road. Jesus says, repent and believe. Repent literally means turn around. Jesus is putting the sign. He's going the wrong way. And believe. That's what we need to do. Put your trust in Christ. Friends, by God's grace, he's put this in first because so many of us walk the road of religion. We're not, we're not following Christ, believing in him. We're following Christianity, another ism. 
We're following American Bible about Christianity, just doing what we're supposed to do to be good people. But we haven't ever really turned from that and put our trust on only what Jesus Christ did. If you're on that road, look where it goes. You got your chance. You have your opportunity. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Let his work count for you. His death on the cross, his resurrection, let it count for you. And live in that freedom. You'll be safe. But brothers and sisters, when Jesus is your king, and I'm talking to all of us who are followers of Christ, when Jesus is your king, he changes everything. He puts the Holy Spirit inside of you to do a new work, to make you more like him. And he he completely reverses everything religion does to you. When religion makes you cynical, Jesus makes you hopeful. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. That's what Jesus does. When religion makes you stubborn, Jesus makes you humble. When religion makes you uncaring, Jesus makes you kind and tenderhearted and compassionate. When religion makes you desperate, Jesus makes you confident. Because as Hebrews 6.19 says, you have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And when religion takes you all the way to evil, Jesus makes you, in fact, the righteousness of God. Look at your life. What do we see? What fruit do we see? Everything religion promises, friends, Jesus produces in our life if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And there's a way you know if you follow the king. Are you cynical or hopeful? Are you caring or uncaring? Are you afraid or are you confident? Can we stop? And think about something together. I want you to look at this passage. And see what's happened. Do you see it? Look at it. Make sure I'm not making this up. The religious. Are so afraid. That they're going to lose everything that they've ever known. They team up with the wicked. And they plan their attack. There is nothing new under the sun. And in their minds, they're doing the Lord's work. They're doing it wearing God's name. Why are so many cynical today? Why do we trust no one? Why do we assume the worst? Why do we doubt everything? Why are we so stubborn that we refuse to move and nothing can change our minds and we cannot even listen to the ones we disagree with? Why are we so uncaring and so desperate that we call evil good and we justify hate as long as it's on our side? 
How have things come so far? And to be fair, hear me well. Both sides have called, have turned our politics into our religion. Remember what I called religion. It's getting God's, I don't know if I shared this with you yet. Religion is getting God's work done man's way. And both sides of the spectrum promise that. If the other side will just get out of the way, we'll achieve peace. If the other side will get out of the way, we will achieve security. We will achieve greatness. We will achieve prosperity. We will achieve unity. God's work, man's way. And we get so desperate, we'll do anything for it. My friends, Jesus said in John 19, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Look, if you've been here, you know this. You should know this. And if you're, if you're new today or haven't been here that much, you should, you should know. I'm not a newspaper preacher. I don't just pick up the news and decide what's important and preach that on Sunday. We go verse by verse. And sometimes, by the will of God, he just brings something to our table. And friends, that's what he's done today. I, I, I want you to be, I want you to hear me. I'm not here to talk about your policy or your opinion. I'm not here to talk about current events. I am here to talk about your heart. How are you responding to what's going on today? Matthew 7 verse 20, Jesus says, you will recognize them by their fruit. What kind of fruit do we see? Let's turn it inward. Don't look on the outside. Look in your life. What kind of fruit do we see? What kind of fruit does the Holy Spirit produce? It would be helpful to remember. And we'll get past the ones that are, that are more popularly known. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Hear the word of God. If you belong to Jesus, you don't have to be afraid like the Pharisees that you're going to lose everything. Because you have a treasure you cannot lose. You don't have to compromise kingdom values and pair up with the wicked just to protect your earthly system. Look at where that road leads. Do not put your trust in horses and chariots. Put your trust in the name of the Lord. And in a desire to be on the right side, don't lose sight of what really matters. What really matters? Jesus says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm? To save life or to kill? 
what Jesus is confronting the Pharisees with, and what I would say is he's confronting us with, is that what matters most is two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What should mark the church who belongs to the kingdom and not the nation is love for your neighbor. Not distrusting your neighbor, not being cynical about your neighbor, not fighting back with your neighbor, not assuming the worst of your neighbor, loving them. Putting them ahead of yourself. Sacrificing for them. Hoping the best for them. Sacrificially serving them. After talking about how the believer should honor the government, Paul goes this direction in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You may want to come to me and say, well, what about this? Isn't this the time to fight? What about this situation? What's going to happen for our children? What about what the other side is doing? And you may feel that desperate times call for desperate measures. But Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10 tells us, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brothers and sisters, I hope you know where I'm coming from. I hope you know that I love you. And then I, I try to faithfully just bring to you what God brings to us. And listen, if this, what I have said, has pushed you to the point of anger and frustration, cynicism, you're the one I'm talking to. You need to see where that kind of response goes. That's religion calling, not politics. And you need to hear the words of Christ. You need to see where that religion goes. It will fail you. The kingdom of God is the kingdom that endures. And brothers and sisters, as the people of God, we need to take this opportunity from the word to repent. We need to stop. We need to turn the temperature down. We need to think about kingdom things. We need to turn the news off. We need to sign off Facebook. We need to quit going down the conspiracy rabbit hole. And we need to trust our king that he's in charge and sovereign over all things and love our neighbor. And preach the gospel. Because that is more important than anything else. And if that's not more important to you and there's other things that are more important, friends, you're not walking in the kingdom we have a kingdom, we have a citizenship in heaven, we have a king who is coming, we need to live for him. 
We need to repent and we need to believe. May we be that kind of people. May we stand out in this hostile, chaotic turmoil and be the light. May they know us by our love, not our positions. We do that. We will see life change. We will see community change. We will see kingdom change because we will have freed ourselves from religion and we will be living by faith. Let us pray.